Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show, produced by Household Stress, home of the talk show, the top-selling book, and an app for your Android smartphones. We come your way every Tuesday night, but you can get more info about this show by visiting our website, householdstress.com. Listeners can listen to one of our live weekly talk shows by calling in or logging on to householdstress.com from your personal computer as an anonymous guest. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only, so call into the hottest talk show in the world. Now, we have a couple rules, and they are absolutely no profanity and no politics, and more importantly, no racial stuff. This show is apolitical and race neutral so that we can make sure that every man can feel comfortable on our show. And furthermore, fellas, this ain't Bible study. We want you to just be able to come to our show as a man, and that is it. The Married Men Don't Talk Show always presents the hottest topics for discussion, and tonight is no different. Tonight's topic is second marriage, first love. Hmm. My name is Rodney, and I'll be your moderator for the evening. This is a fluid conversation, so if you do have something to say, please feel free to do so, or if you just prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well. But please find your mute button right now and, and kindly put your phone on mute if you just plan to listen. And you can actually chat with us live now by joining our Married Men No Talk Unisex blog Facebook page or by hitting us up on Twitter at Household Stress. All right, with all of that said, Let's get started. I'm in my first marriage, and I've been married for 14 years. Um, but has anybody been married here more than once, or is this your first time? Uh, this is my second time. All right, second time. Go ahead, brother. This is my third time. All right, second, third. What about you, sir? Uh, Brother first Alan, time. First, first time. time. Oh, okay, that's good. How many years, bro? Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. I got one on you. One and a half on you. I'm at fourteen years. About to come on fifteen in July. Um, but regarding regarding second marriages, I found research and statistics on both sides of the coin when it comes to marital success rates. But I want to start with one side of the coin, and then we'll get to the other side of this coin a little later in the show. So why do y'all think second marriages have a higher failure rate than first marriages? Why do y'all think second marriages have a higher failure rate than first marriages? Why is that? Because some people don't realize that it's them. Okay. (laughs) What do you mean? What I mean is... Let's just say uh, I get married the first time and it only lasts one month, and then I get married again the second time and it only lasts two months. And the first thing out of my mouth is women are crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, it just might be me. Gotcha. Makes sense. Another thing I think is that um, if people aren't willing to stick it out the first time and they see divorce as an option, then that option a lot of times is on the table for the next time. Mm. Yeah, that is true. Once you go through it the first time, it's like, oh, this is real easy. (laughs) Let me me keep the forms just in case. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
when you get to like horses and all, especially if you haven't, you know, haven't uh, developed any property or what. I mean, you know, you you know, you go down, you 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 pay fifty cent a copy, you get some copies, you you write your stuff up and file it. That's it. That is it. Not that I know about that. I'm just saying. Right, right, right. (laughs) And I mean, you, you talk about property, Andrew, but in most first marriages. Is there often no children when it comes well, to mine, there was two children. to fail? Hmm? In mine, there was two children. Two children. Hmm. In mine, there were no kids. Yeah, typically, you know, when first marriages dissolve, like you know, like you said, Ike, um, one month in or two month in or one year in, you know, the the, the marriage is no more and you know both the husband and wife you know typically are young just starting out maybe in school maybe you know trying to build their careers after finishing school but you know the first marriage is typically neither party you know has a lot to to say with regard to assets and debts you know and those sort of things but you know when you get to you know Andrew you say you're on your third marriage would you say that when you get to a third or maybe even a fourth marriage, do you think there's an even higher failure rate once you get, you know, down to those upper echelons of the number of times you said I do? I think most likely because, again, you get into a situation where you realize, you know, you know, this is not really a commitment. This is this isn't until death do us part. This is until something better comes along until you really piss me off. Mm. And unless you have a serious change in who you are, um, you know, you're not going to put up with so much stuff, okay? Because there's a fear. When you're married and you've never gone through a divorce, there's a fear about divorce. But once you've been through it, you know it. There's there's no unknown fear. You know what it's going to be. I'm not saying it's easy, believe me. I'm just saying that you know the process, and you're like, you know, again, unless Unless a, a sea change happens inside your heart, uh, it's a lot easier to get divorced the second time than it is the first time, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, for me, I, I ran into the situation that you talked about. My first marriage, I was young. I did have two children, and I, I, I got custody of my children and raised them. But we didn't have any assets. I didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Now, in the second marriage, it was a whole different ballgame. And um, it was more of, you know, the financial situations and things like that because, you know, it built a you know, very successful business, had several homes, all kind of different things like that, you know, and so that was a different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ike, you were saying. Oh, no, no, I agree with Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, people are often naive, crazy in love. But is there, you know, when it comes to second marriages, is there just a lot less baggage, you know, uh, in a first marriage? Would you say there's a lot less baggage in a first marriage, in a second marriage? Uh, I don't know, understand the question. I mean, in second marriages, you know, um, People are usually older and wiser. They usually uh, 
choose a bit more carefully. But, you know, even, in like Andrew said, you know, didn't have a, a pot to piss in or, or a, a window to throw it out of. There are not a lot of assets, maybe no children. Um, so everybody has baggage coming into the marriage, but is there just a lot less baggage in the first marriage than the second marriage because you've been through the divorce, you know, you've been there, done that, as Andrew said, got the okay. T-shirt and the legal bill, uh, you know. So yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, because when me and my first uh, wife got married, I mean, she was still in school, and I was fresh out of uh, boot camp. So we had no bag. We had no quote-unquote baggage. Right. You well, know what I'm saying? Baggage. I'm thinking of baggage like, you know, uh, a baby daddy or a kid or something or... Right. I don't know. What is baggage, Rodney? I mean, you you hit it on, I mean, kids, debt. I mean, could be anything. Okay, well, college loans, I mean, shoot. (laughs) You know, I I think there's there's people, uh, one of the biggest, things that, that we run into is that people that don't know anything about marriage have no idea the baggage they pull into it. Um, because, you know, usually this happens, they're young, they're in love, and, and, and they, they think that, you know, that's all it's going to take. And they don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have a clue that the stuff that that they've been through in their in their growing up and childhood and watched their mama get beat up or whatever the situation, you know, daddy walked out or, you know, mama left or, or whatever the deal, they don't realize that they're carrying that into the marriage and they don't deal with it because they're so, quote, unquote, in love. And a lot of times, you know, when somebody's more mature, you can look at those things and you can recognize, you know, this chick's going to be boiling the rabbit. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you 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 get a little older and you realize, you know, hey man, it takes more than love. We had a couple in uh, a couple of weeks, a couple about a month and a half ago, forty years old, and, and they wanted to get premarital counseling, and 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 you know, I asked her, well, why do you want to marry him? And she said, well, you know, both of them been married before and divorced, and she said. Well, I love him. And, oh, okay, great. And I asked the husband, the husband to be, well, why do you want to marry her? And you know what his answer was? I love her. <laughs> I said, oh, great. I asked, then I asked the, the, the to be wife. I said, did you love your first husband before you married him? She said, yeah. <laughs> I asked the future husband, what did the same? He said, yeah. I said, well, I guess it takes more than just love, then, doesn't it? And some people don't ever learn it, okay? But but people come into marriage with all kind of baggage, and if you don't deal with it before you get married, you're going to deal with it after you're married. Well, you said more mature. Would you say in second marriages uh, people are usually uh, older and wiser or no? They're older. (laughs) They're some old, dumb, stupid people. Just because you're 40 years old doesn't mean you have 40 years' experience. 
There's some people that have one year experience forty times. And if you don't, if you don't, one of the one of the things that that I ask people, you know, when they get divorced, I ask them, what did you do to contribute to the divorce? Because they're real quick, easy to, to point at their spouse. And I said, what's your responsibility in this? And if they start out with, hey, I did everything right, <laughs> my thought is you're going to be down this divorce path again. Because if you don't look at yourself and examine you, I think Ike said this in the beginning, if you don't examine you, you haven't learned a doggone thing, and you're going to repeat the cycle because the problem is in you. We see people go through these cycles over and over with all these different people, okay? And the common denominator is them. Do you think that people tend to marry the same type of person over and over again? And what I mean by that is, of course, you know, physical characteristics may be different, but they pick the same type of individual over and over again? Well, I didn't, so I can't, I'm not going to say that. I, I didn't. I picked the complete opposite. Both in yeah, physics. I, I I I wanted something totally opposite from what yeah, I wanted. Yeah, it was nothing reminiscent except they were both women. That's it. <laughs> that was about it. <laughs> That's all they got in common. That's straight, didn't we, Ike? Yeah. Go. <laughs> they were both women. There's no physiological makeup similarities. Nothing. And only one other thing you got to add to that, Ike. They were female from birth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they 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 the old school definition of a woman. Okay. <laughs> that's key. That's 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 a deal breaker. Mm. I mean, literally, I heard of that last year, Rodney. You got to ask him, are you female from birth? <laughs> that's a new one. But I mean, I've heard I've heard of women, you know, being married to more than one abusive husband. I mean, how does how does that happen? Well, I mean, again, remember what I was telling you about not dealing with your baggage. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. In, in my wife's case, she grew up in an abusive home. She saw her father abuse her mother. Swore she would never do that. Turned around and, and married a guy that dragged her up and down the steps by the hair and stuff like that. You know, so I mean, and and almost, I think. Uh, every single one of her sisters that got married married an abusive guy or was abusive at some point. And this is a lot of times what they see as love. They love me that much. They're willing to fight. These people say there's a thin line between love and hate. And, and, and some people, when they grow up seeing that, you know, I mean, her mother told her that's part of marriage. You just, you got to, you know, there's no divorce. You know, we're Catholic. We don't get divorced. So you just take it. I, I got a question. Go ahead, bro. Uh, would, you say, would you say that most people do more preparation for a wedding and not the marriage? Because uh, maybe a lot of things we go into with the with the rose colored glasses on, but don't prepare for the daily grinds of marriage. Absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. Especially women. Once once they get their proposal, their brain turns off. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Um, I, I one of the you. challenges 
one of the challenges when we talk to people is, and they say, well, we want some premarital counseling. I say, did you set the date? Yeah. Because if they set the date, it doesn't matter what comes up in that counseling. They're getting married. Mm. Yeah, I found the same thing, brother. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct, brother. And um, we actually did a whole show on that. You know, did you plan your, did you plan your marriage before you planned your wedding? It was kind of interesting. Um, but Andrew, you mentioned, um, you know, your wife as a child, and uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, you had two children when you, you know, got your first divorce. Um, did your children want you to marry anyone else? Um, my children were only three when I split up with their mom. Um, so they didn't really have a recollection of living with her. Um, and to tell you the truth, um, at that point in my life, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't asking them what, what they wanted me to do. Uh, you know. I, I, you know, I was getting me some nookie, and that was the way it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't a Christian, and 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 I didn't care if she was a Christian, a Harry Krishna, a Buddhist. If she said I was getting it, I could get it. <laughs> I just, I got hemmed into that second marriage. What do you mean you got hemmed? I, I got, I got caught up and set up. Oh, nose wide open. Uh, no, the nose wasn't wide open at all. I wasn't planning on getting married. I was just shacking up. So how did you end up married a second time? <laughs> well, um, the kids were about, I had two kids and she had one, and they were about, I don't know, eight years old at the time. And, you know, we were shacking up, and both of us grew up in Catholic houses, and, and, and we said, well, you know, we should put these kids in the church. And I said, all right, anything but Catholic. Started looking for churches and found this Baptist church down in La Plata. For y'all that aren't in this area, that's about 15, 20 minutes south of where I live. Um, and I started going and, and, and said, okay, we'll join here. Well, the pastor said, oh, well, you can't join yet. I want to come meet you at your house. I said, fine. So we met the pastor at the house the next Saturday and Started talking, and, and, and dude said to me, are you saved? I said, saved from what? You know, I, and, and growing up in a Catholic house, I never heard the word saved. I don't know what that meant. And he said, well, if you die, you're going to go to heaven. So, well, I guess so. I'm a pretty good dude. He said, well, it don't matter how good or bad you are. If you don't have Christ in your heart, you're not going, you're not going to heaven. So I asked him, how do you do that? He said, well, said, you walk down the aisle, you say a prayer, and you get baptized. I said, so I walk down the aisle, say the prayer, take the dip, I'm going to heaven? He said, yeah. I said, sign me up. Next week he did an altar call. I was the first dude up there. Walked the aisle, said the prayer, took the dip. I was saved, supposedly. So the next Saturday he comes back over, and he says, well, now that you're saved, you can't be shagging up. (laughs) I said to him, I said, I don't have the money to get married. He said, you don't need money. I can marry you in your living room. Mm. He said, this is what you do. Go to the courthouse, all right, on Tuesday, 
and get the marriage license. I'll be here next Saturday at 11.15. Have one of your friends here. That's what I mean. I got hemmed up. Mm, gotcha. So that was gotcha. a marriage built in heaven. <laughs> Good words. Anybody else? Um, actually, we got a some few new callers here on the topic of the evening, second marriage, first love. Um, and we've got a couple of brothers. Uh, one's been married twice. One's been married three times. The brother that was just speaking has been married three times. But has anyone else uh, been married more than once other than these two brothers? Nobody? Wow. Interesting. But speaking of, uh, you know, your children, Andrew, is that did your your children ever, you know, as they got older, I know they were young, but did your children ever fantasize about you and their mother getting back together and remarrying? Did they ever, were they hopeful? Um, I don't think they fantasized about it, but um, my son probably still holds it against me. What do you mean? Even today? Even today. I think he's probably beyond three. How old is he today? He's 29. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So that, that's why when you when you hear me talk about divorce, the kids don't just get over it. They carry this stuff and... And the fallout from it is the baggage they take into their life. Mm. You talk about baggage. That's baggage. Your parents get divorced. <laughs> you walk into your marriage with baggage. Okay, because what you've taught your children is to don't stick it out but to bail. And when they go through tough times and they come to you, you say, stick it out, and they go, wait a minute, you bailed. Hmm. But, fellas, what's a, what's a guideline, if a, and this is for anybody, if a person is involved, you know, with someone new, you know, the divorce is final, you know, and, and you're back out there, how soon should the children be introduced to the new Lady friend, what's a good guideline as far as time? How much time is involved before you start introducing them to the kids? You say, wait a minute now. What What are you asking me? How long before? Yeah, you the divorce get... is final. You know, the ink is dry. You moved on. You know, uh-huh. what, what would be a guideline that you would say? Okay, wait this amount of time before you start introducing the new um, thing thing. You know, to the children. I would say after a period of uh, of successful dates and encounters, I, after that period, then, you know, that period is determined on a lot of factors. But I would say ideally probably after about maybe six months to a year. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. One, you need to get past the woo-woo stage. Yeah. Warmy stage and into the serious uh, are we going to do something stage. You know, because um, you you do have to be prepared to walk away, 
if, uh, you know, once you add the kids into the mix, it all goes wrong. And I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble is that they go with blinders on, and they're like, okay, well, I committed all this time with this person, and I done got a rapport with this person and everything else, and now, you know, it's not really gelling with the kids, so we're just going to make it work. And it's like, no, that's not how that happens. Uh, and to tell you, Ronnie, um, when Glenn and I got married, if Deja wasn't on board with it, I wouldn't have married her. Or, or it could be the, it could be the other way around. You you introduce them too quickly, and the kids fall in love, and then you yeah. can't leave because you're like, oh, I want to get out, but my kids look at this person as the person I'm going to be with. Yeah, there's there's real, especially if if you know if they don't have a, a daddy and they want to cling to you. Yeah. And then you're looking at it, man, how can I break this kid's heart? Your daddy left and now I'm leaving. Mm. And not, that's not a smart reason to get married. Yep. You know, I think I think probably what Ike said, six months to a year, that, that gets you through the woo-woo stage. And that gets you to see the real person. And I know we, you know, we don't like to use the the term step parent, you know, on here. But can a step parent ever replace the real parent? Absolutely, absolutely yeah. happens all the time. All you gotta do is uh, look at the kid. Uh, if the kid got a parent, and this is the biological parent, and the biological parent is disengaged or not involved or even not in the picture. Kids, you know, kids are pretty interesting. I, I, I see them as, as kind of like, like flowers. You know, it doesn't matter who planted the seed in the soil. As long as you water it and give it some sunlight, it will grow. You know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't have to be that person that planted the seed to get the flower to grow. Now, Ronnie, I actually don't have a problem with the word step-parent, okay, because you're stepping in where the other parent has dropped the ball. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either. That's, that's now, now, you'll never hear me talk about my stepdaughter as stepdaughter. You'll always hear me talk about Deja as my daughter, because she is. When I got married, she became my daughter. Um, now, I can never take her father's place, because her father's still in her life. And I wouldn't want to. That's not what the goal is. Okay? If your goal to walk in is to replace that parent, that's not. you're, you're really looking at this the wrong way. Okay. Now, if he's abandoned, and you know that that's a different ball game, or never been there, that's a different ball game. But if the father is is active in the life, your goal really shouldn't be to try to replace that parent. Right. Right. You know, when I married when I married Glenn, you know, I sat down with Deja and I said, "Let me tell you something." Okay. I said, um, "You're going to be my daughter, and I'm going to treat you as my daughter, not my stepdaughter." Okay. I said, I'm going to raise you, you know, as my daughter. I'm going to raise you, you know, I'm going to be your father. I won't be your daddy because you have a daddy. I'm not trying to replace your daddy. I said, but when you live in my house, I'm going to treat you as my child, and I'm going to father you, you know. And because I wasn't trying to replace him, if you, if you start trying to do that, you're going to run into all kind of problems with the kid. You know, and, and, and you have to really watch the way you go into that because you, you're really co-parenting this child 
between the three of you or the four of you if, if he gets married also. Because they're going to be, you know, over there every other weekend or, or with you every other weekend, however that, you know, system works for you. Um, but, you know, replacing, I think, is, is, is not a good way to look at it. Do step-parents always have the power to discipline? Or no? Well, it depends on the type of discipline. There's a lot of factors. Um, I know in my house, uh, you know, I have an agreement and an understanding with my children's uh, biological fathers, and we operate within those parameters uh, as far as corporal punishment. Um but when it comes to just straight discipline, uh, yeah, I, yeah, step step parents have the right and the ability to discipline, and the most important thing is that they have to have the support of their spouse also. Yep. So it has you have to have understanding with the other parent that's not in the house, and then you have to have support of the parent that's in the, that's actually in the house with the step parents. So that's the way it works best for me. Yeah, I agree with that, Rodney. Um, discipline simply means to teach. Uh, there's different forms of discipline, but that's what the word discipline means. And your job, your responsibility is to teach those children. If you don't want that responsibility, then don't get married. Or marry someone that, that's not encumbered with, with children already. Because if you step into that situation, your responsibility is now to teach those children. You can't walk in and be disengaged and say, that's your kid. You deal with your kids. I got nothing to say. So are y'all with your um, stepchildren, both of y'all have stepchildren, um, would y'all say that y'all are seen as the friend or the enemy? Uh, Me, I'm definitely the enemy right now for one of them. Um, And... For the other two, right now, temporarily, I'm the, I'm the friend. But things can go south very quickly, and I can be the enemy also. Uh, I'm not, neither the friend nor the enemy. Um, yeah. Uh, because as a as a parent, if you try to be a friend to your child, you have a hard way to go. All right, there's there's a line that that you cross when you try to be friends with your kids. Um, when your kids get old enough and they can support themselves and take care of themselves, then you can become friends with your, with your kids. I'm great friends with my parents now. Okay, but, you know, when they were raising me, I couldn't be their friend. You know, when, when you're out on your own paying your own bills, we can be friends. But we can't be friends when I'm raising you because that's not my, that's not my role. Now, will you be mad at me? I hope so. <laughs> Because there'll be times I have to I have I have to do things that you may not agree with, and you're going to be upset if I'm going to do things only if you agree with me. I'm not parenting you. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean your kids. Sometimes you'll have to tell them things, Rodney, that they don't want to hear, or tell them what to do that they don't want to do, and they may not say it to you, but under their breath they're saying things to you. And if your goal is to be their friend, you, you're looking at this real wrong. Are there ever situations where, you know, kids from the first marriage 
try to undermine the second marriage being successful? You know, maybe not in your case, but have y'all, you know, ever ever heard of that happening where the kids, you know, really tried to sabotage the second marriage? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and and a lot of that has to do with the foundation you've laid before you get married. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I would not have married Glenn if Deja wasn't okay with it, because that's what happens. There's a lot of people that say, hey, look, we're adults. We do what we want. you got no say, nothing to do with this kid. Sit down and stay in a child's place. We get mm-hmm. married anyway. Oh, boy, you brought yourself a whole world of hurt. So you're saying the child has to endorse the relationship. In my opinion, I mean, Deja was 13 when we got married, okay? And if she wasn't okay with it, I wouldn't have married Glenn because I wasn't going to go through a five years of hell while that child, you know, raised her head up against us every time. I mean, you know, I would have either waited or Deja would have been a come, come okay, and if we waited and it worked okay, if not, I, I wouldn't have got into that situation. And that's probably because I saw situations in my second marriage where those things were happening. Mm-hmm. And we got married, and you know, like I said, didn't you know? I got hemmed into the deal, you know, and the kids, we did everything wrong. You know, and um, it's a different situation. The kids had no say in anything and no, this is the way it's going to be. With the adults, you're the kids, stay in your place. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that was wrong. That was how I was raised anyway. But, I mean, you don't know that until you've been through it. And I wouldn't recommend anybody get into a, into a secondary marriage with stepkids that don't have everything on the table and be okay and, and feel that, you know, hey, we got the support and we're going to become a family. Deja wanted her mother and father to get married again, to get remarried. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and she had to deal with that situation that they were not. As a matter of fact, when when I asked Glenn to marry me, Glenn, uh, Deja, really, you know, this was it. They're getting married. My parents are not getting back together. Mm. Yeah, I was a... She she and I had lots of conversations before that. And I I involved her, actually, in the engagement and the wedding plans and and all that. So she was part of it. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Ike. Yeah, no, I was in the uh, same situation. I mean, uh, when my wife finally introduced me to the kids and, you know, the kids knowing knowing my wife, you know, knowing me, you know, yeah, they wanted us to get married, you know. And that makes all the difference instead of, you know, your kid telling you, you know, they disagree or something or they're not really sure about a person. And then you come in one day and say, oh, surprise, we went to the Justice of Peace. He's your new stepdad or he's, he's your new step. You know, we're going to be one half family. That happens, Ronnie. Hmm? 
I said, you laughing, but that happens. What I just said, that happens, man. Mm, and then you got hell to pay. Really. It's funny if you ever, next time you see Deja and you think about it, you ask about her. She she would mess with Glenn because I, I actually um, I actually showed Deja the engagement ring three months before I asked Glenn to marry me. So she knew. Oh, yeah, she actually put the ring on herself. She was ecstatic, okay? And and she actually helped me plan the engagement and told me what not to do because I was going to do something dumb. I really (laughs) would like that. I'm not kidding you. Okay, you know me, Rodney. I go big, man. Yeah. I I had a big party at the house, and... I had created a a whole video, and and the video was leading up to me asking her to marry me. And I told Deja about it, and she went, I said, what do you think? She went, "Mm, it's nice, but I don't think my mom would really like that. I said, really? She said, I don't think so. She'd more like it just kind of one-on-one. I went, really? She said, yeah, because we had about 40 people come in and the whole deal. I said, what do you think we should do? What, what, what do you think she'd like? She said, I don't know. She says, you know how they have those 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 river cruises on the Potomac? I went, yeah. She said, why don't you take her out there and ask her there? I thought, that's a great idea. I said, well, Deja, get online and book it. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm serious. Okay, you talk about child involved in it. All right, she was so ecstatic. And then I said, well, what if she says no? And Deja said, she won't. She'll say yes. I said, how do you know? She said, because I know my mother. I said, but she could say no. She said, but she won't. I said, but she could. So, you know, <laughs> right. Three weeks before I asked. You know, so, so with me and, and having her so involved in it, she was really excited. All right. And then when, when I asked Glenn on, on the cruise, um, the first person we called was Deja. All right, and of course she had to say, um, you know, I had the ring on before you did. Had to rub it in, you know. So yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like I said, to have the kids with you is so important because you're marrying the whole family, you know. And when you get married, and I would encourage you to include the kids in the ceremony. And did she stay? Did did she stay with y'all full time, or you know, how how did that work out? I mean, was she going Asia? from yeah, was she going from your household to a father's household? You know, yeah, she was. Uh, she was with us. You know, we had residual custody, but every two weeks she'd spend the weekend at her father's. Okay. Until she was probably about sixteen, and even though she was supposed to, she didn't want to anymore. And it was a lot of things that were going on that, right? You know that that she just she chose, you know, you know he he kind of kind of dropped the ball and and things happened and you know so yeah. Um, I had all three of, three of my wife's kids. We had all three of our other kids in the wedding also. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, the oldest boy, he read a poem, the first poem I ever wrote in the wedding. 
And so they were they were deeply integrated into the whole process. The first poem who wrote? You you write poetry, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out. Why don't you write write me a poem? I was why would I write you? A poem? You should write you a poem, big boy. Why would I write you? A poem? So I can, wow. you know, that didn't sound too good, Rodney. It didn't Rodney, why would I write you? Y'all Rodney, didn't no. hear me. I said, write me a poem so I can sign my name on it and pass it. You know, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you're a poet over there, Shakespeare. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm a, yeah, I'm a lot of things. I'm a lot of things y'all don't know about. And I keep that, you know. <laughs> I like I like cater I like catering to expectations. <laughs> So when was the last poem the last you wrote? Poem you that wrote. was the that was the wedding. So when, when was the last poem you wrote? Oh man, I don't know. I'm writing a couple of books now, uh, but what's the name? Yeah, of I haven't book? really written poetry. What's the name of your book? Uh, they don't have names. One of them has a name. Oh well, yeah. I mean, three books really. Uh, women lie. That's <laughs> the... <laughs> women lie. <laughs> I, I actually gonna have to write that book. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually gonna have to write that one. You know, uh, women lie. The guide to help women find a man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That sounds like a, a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> hey, it is. It is. Every time I tell someone the concept of it, they 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 nod their head and they can't help but agree. So, uh, hey, you about that right. Chinese woman that lied? And her husband sued her for ugly kids. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Oh yeah, yeah that was yeah. hilarious. That was mm-hmm. funny. Hey, they came out sideways looking too, boy. Booger monsters. Came looking out, looking rough. Them kids were terrible. They were jacked <laughs> up. Oh, them was ugly kids. I don't talk about kids, but them kids was. I see my man. You ever see a picture of the kids? You see a picture of him and the kids? You like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I was like, oh, then they got a picture of her before the before the surgeries, man. You're like, oh, she was jacked up. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. rough. That's, that, you, that, that, you ought to put that 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 in the book. <laughs> now is he gonna have to pay her spousal support? No, he he won 120 grand from her. Yeah, she got to pay. Wow, got to pay so ball pay. ball twenty, man. Because <laughs> <'cause, laughs> dude, you you lied to me. Dude, Rodney, you got to see the kids, Rodney. Trust me. You got to see his eyes looking crazy. <laughs> them kids, I was like, man. One dude, like the oldest boy, he looked like somebody that should be in like an old abandoned house that chases kids. <laughs> oh, man. Come he looked like Chucky's kid or something. Oh, he looked, he looked, he was so ugly, he looked scary. I said, oh, I see why he's saying his eyes was going sideways and stuff. Yeah, his eyes was all jacked up, man. Terrible. Man, that's, that's, see, but that goes back to women lying. They lie. That, 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 that's a straight up lie. Straight up. Living a lie. Now, you know, now she has to pay, pay him, but um, spousal support. Did, did either one of y'all have to pay um, any spousal support to, to your ex-wife or, or no? No. No, I ain't had I ain't no kids. I um I I actually um had custody of my children. Oh, okay, um, gosh. She was supposed to pay, but didn't. You know, you know how that goes. Mhm. Mhm. So when it comes to second, third, or fourth marriages, 
would prenups be a good idea? If you got something to talk about. Right. Uh, a lot of people I know ain't really got nothing worth, really much worth of talking about. I if mean, you, but, if you if you Tiger Woods and you don't have a prenup, you need you need your your brain checked. Pre prenups are good in my opinion because it lets you know exactly what you're gonna get. That way, it's not left up in the air, and you're not burning a lot of money going to lawyers. But of course, American women in American society, they hear the word prenup and they get angry. They get offended for whatever reason, but they should take time to really look at the concept of a prenup and look at how much money it costs to retain a lawyer to go after all the money you think the lawyer done pumped your head up into thinking you should get. But they don't, they don't look at that. So, well, the, only, the only reason I think that, that, that I, I would ever consider a prenup um, is because if I have kids before you, I want to make sure they're protected if something were to happen to me or if if we exactly. were divorced and you taking from what I'd planned to give to them because we're married and you're going to take their stuff. So that, that would be, to me, the reason for a prenup. Not so much I, I'm worried about, you know, you know, the split up of, of things, um, but only only in the case of of the children that they the children need to be protected. Absolutely. And I think you owe that to your children if you have children and you're going into another marriage and you want to look out for your kids. This woman could take what you've deemed you want to give to them and say, "Hey, bump that." I got. I know a situation that happened like that, and it's sad. Kids got I know nothing. a situation in the military where a guy uh, forgot to change his beneficiary. He died, and his current wife and family didn't get anything, but the first wife did. Yeah. And uh, the uh, current wife asked at the funeral, you know, can we get some of that money or whatever from the death? <laughs> what? She asked at the funeral? Yeah, yeah. The first wife like, no. She's like, hey, windfall. Oh, he forgot to do the paperwork, so y'all suffer, you know. She ain't say it, but that was pretty much it, you know. Yeah, and and that's the same kind of situation that uh, that uh, you know my buddy. He didn't he didn't get stuff straight, and and he and his wife went through stuff, and they split up, and and he had three kids, you know, coming in, and 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 he died, and he she moved into the house. Two weeks later, and threw the kids out. You know, Andrew, I just like to make a caveat, a nice point to everybody on this call. Everybody on this call, check your paperwork, check your beneficiaries, make sure it's updated. Because I, I did this, and even I was surprised that my ex-wife was still on some stuff that I had. Mm, so I had even today? Yeah. Today, but, you know, a couple of years ago. But, yeah, always check that. Just check that. Just make sure that in case something happens to you, it will go to the right wife. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what. I was so pissed off when I got divorced, I canceled my insurance. (laughs) I was like, F that B. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) She ain't get jacked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, you know, if she crazy, you know her, her. Your old in-laws are crazy and her family crazy, too. Mm, And a kid, sideways-looking kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, what about, you know, when when you do, you know, make that second or third leap, uh, what about having to deal with a new set of in-laws? Can that be problematic, you know, in-laws? Usually, usually when you get married the second time, you already know how to handle in-laws. Okay. And usually in-laws are not a problem. And you know, usually after the first marriage, you you know what to look for, what not to look for in a mate when it comes to dealing with in-laws. If you're dealing with a daddy's girl or, you know, or something like that, and, you know, she got to ask her daddy for everything or daddy come over that, you already know you ain't marrying that chick, especially if you've been married the first time. It's, it's not happening. It's just not happening. I, you know, I, anybody that falls into that trap on their second marriage, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't see how that can happen. Somebody got to explain that to me. Yeah, I, I didn't have any problem with my in-laws. Um, I had some some jealousy issues with her sisters, but besides, you know, not the parents were were fine. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that. Like, you know, about after the first marriage, because now it's time for the other side of this coin. According to the Marriage Foundation, second-time spouses are often happier than first-time newlyweds. Forty-five percent of marriages between first-timers are destined for the divorce courts. But just 31 percent of second weddings will end in failure. But why is this, fellas? Does practice really make perfect? Yeah, it does. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you learn so much. You learn an invaluable amount of, of information. You learn who you are, what you will accept, what you won't accept, what you can live with, what you can't live with. All of these things you learn from your previous experience in being married. And you, you kind of walk into that second marriage with a better understanding of who you are and what you can and won't accept. And you walk into that marriage both, you know, understanding, hey, I know how to get out of this thing, too. You know, but not everybody learns from their previous marriage. Right. Like like I said in the beginning, Andrew, it could be you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, there's people that, that don't learn and they repeat the cycle. Right, exactly. These are the people that the say same everybody else over and over again, and, and you got to shake your head. You right. Know? Um. You know, unless unless is like I said, unless there's a a real change, and and you have a you know a, you know a coming to God moment I'll call it where where you look at the man in the mirror and you go okay I need to change. You know, because I what what happened with me? I mean, uh, you know I I you know I got saved and God put a mirror in front of me and I I realized I had I had become a pure you know defunct idiot. And if I didn't change me and where I was, it wasn't going to be good, you know. And um, if it wasn't for that, I, you know, I'd probably, you know, repeated the cycle, repeated the cycle, repeated the cycle, because in my first two marriages, it was about me and making me happy. And usually that happened had to do with a fine woman. If you understand where I'm going, mm-hmm. so the difference between you know my first marriage and second and the marriage you know that I'm in now is that I realize it's not all about me. 
you know, and it's really about, you know, servanthood. It's really about serving God through serving my wife. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, you have a deeper, you, 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 you have, you and, and let's say your wife too, would y'all, would you say that y'all have a deeper understanding of yourselves? I think Ike said that. Absolutely. And and the other thing is, um, realize it's bigger than just me. You know, um, I got a, a an anniversary card uh, written from, from my daughter. And um, just happened to have it in my hands on the thing. It says, you know, happy anniversary. She says, keep up the good work. People are watching. That's my 22-year-old daughter. People are watching. People are watching. In other words, you're an example, and I'm watching you. I'm watching you on how to be married. I'm watching you on how to have a successful marriage. It's not just you. We're supposed to be examples to our kids. We are examples, good or bad. Yeah. Your kids are watching you. And if you teach them to bail when things get tough, what do you think they're going to do? The only difference is they'll be 29 years old showing up at your door with two kids in a divorce and, and moving back in with you. Hmm. I would say that's, that's the key is what Andrew's just saying. I hope I got your name right. Um, Is the marriage, a lot of us go into a marriage for what it gives us, whether it's first, second, or third marriage, is what is this going to do for me? But it's a bigger picture than that. Um, It's it's even bigger than other people watching us. Um, Since we're talking about the spiritual side, this is the picture that Christ models his relationship with his bride with. And he says, this is the physical picture that I use for all eternity to show the world our relationship. And we have to go in with an attitude of servanthood, not just the men, but the women also. And, you know, if if we go in with what is this person going to do for me, it's easy to bail when they don't fulfill those obligations or things that I've set up for them. You know, and I think, and going on what he just talked about, I think that our understanding of love is really the key. When I told you about the the couple talking about we love each other, um, you know, uh, and the bottom line is, hey, (laughs) Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it? with love with a second-hand emotion. And the question, the answer to it is love has everything to do with it. But the question really is, what is your definition of love? You see, most people have a definition, a worldly definition of love, and just like the gentleman just said, um, love to you is if you make me feel good, I will love you. If you do the things for me that make me happy, I will love you. Okay, it's the Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? 
And as long as you're making me feel good, I will love you. And if love is based on a feeling and an emotion, one day you'll wake up and you won't feel like loving me. And you'll say, oh, I fell out of love with you. Next. So that's the world's vision of love. But God's vision of love is very different. And God's vision of love is, isn't, you know, what you can do for me, but what he can do for us. He loved us when we were unlovable. It wasn't about us and what we did for him. And his vision of love is servanthood. And, and, and it has nothing to do with whether somebody makes you feel good or not. You love your children whether they piss you off or not. Mm-hmm. You love yes. your kids if they walked into Columbine and shot the school up. You know, love isn't about a feeling. Love is a commitment, a covenant, and love is an action and a decision that you're going to love someone anyway and love them through the stuff. And that's the way, that's the picture of love that Christ shows with us. Luckily, he doesn't desert us when we deserve to be deserted. And what he's trying to say is that's how we need to love our spouses. And, Andrew, having, you know, all already gone through the whole divorce, separation, litigation, you know, all of that good stuff, the legal bills, um, can that actually be more motivation to work through problems and save the marriage? You know, kind of. You don't want Skippy right because it's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. Mm. Hey, it cost me tens of thousands of dollars. Mm. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm not ten. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. My goodness. Oh yeah. It's cheaper to keep her. Mm. So you think that I had, a, you know, I had a stroke in one check, a hundred and forty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. And that wasn't legal fees. That was just a a, a certain payoff. I'm I'm talking heavy duty money, man. I mean. Psh. Cheaper. <laughs> At those prices, you know, absolutely. other brothers rolling on that thing, and I'm paying for it. Mm. Yeah, I'm not kidding, man. So you think y'all think that second marriage is second? You know, they have the 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 parties that have been married one time. They have kind of the same drive to really make the marriage work. You know. I guess on a, in a sense, they. I, I don't think know, like they know the pain of going through that. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you can make it work. At the end of the day, you turn out the lights. Every woman's the same. Hmm. I mean, no. people think the grass is greener. But I don't care how green the grass is, there's always dirt up under the grass. At least you know the dirt under your grass. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out that the next honey got her crap too. Her stuff stinks. And you're going to have to learn to put up with somebody's stuff, so you might as well learn to put up with the one you got. Hey, remember, women lie. <laughs> That's true. I told you all about that infomercial for spray paint for your lawn. Don't 
don't make it healthy. Just spray paint it. Well, there's a bunch of spray painted chicks out there. Oh, they lie. <laughs> if you want to know how, if you want to know how bad they lie, Rodney, watch them when they get ready for bed, and watch them when they get up and get ready to go out. When they out, and yeah, look at the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huge lie. That's a huge lie right there. <laughs> and they ain't got to say nothing on that one. Mm-hmm. They got all the girdles. They got all the makeup. They got all stuff, holding stuff up, holding stuff in. Man, you see it when they get ready to go to bed. You be like, that's not, that can't be the same person. <laughs> the contacts are out. The lashes are gone. The weave is gone. The spanks is gone. The lift-up bra is gone. The high heels are gone. Now, what's up with all these chicks with these long lashes now, eyelashes? I don't get that. Yeah, they got the long eyelashes. I be, they got so many fake parts and accessories, man. You know, you, you don't know who the hell you you talking to, man. <laughs> you don't know who the hell you talking to. Concrete in, injected into their butt. Shoot, man. You don't know, you don't know what you got on your hands. But, Ike, would you say that second-time spouses, know how to pick and choose their battles? I mean, like, is that something? Yeah, you know? yeah, because usually second time, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's what I loved about my wife. I mean, if you get married, after you after you go on and learn everything you need to learn from the first time, when you get married a second time, where a lot of people mess up, in my opinion, they marry somebody their second time, their spouse, their mate, it's their first time. So it's always good to get somebody on your second time that's the, where you their second marriage, too. You know what I'm saying? I agree with that. Because they done got so, all the kinks too. So you're saying that uh, if you've been divorced, you got to find somebody else that's been divorced to make yeah. it work better? Yeah. I think, it, I think that helps chance. a lot. Yeah. I think it's a, you have a better chance of it working better because you all both have now learned and grown together. And once you've been through a difficult divorce, you don't want to go through that again. Oh, hell no. I mean, you go through that, man, and I mean, it's the dark night of the soul. You don't want to go through that again. People who have been divorced and they meet and they talk about marriage, with me and my second wife talking about getting married, it was a completely different conversation from me and my first wife. It wasn't even on the same planet. Me and my first wife, we were talking about having sex all the time. Yeah. That was it. You know, me and my second wife, she had her list of things that she was not going to tolerate and deal with, and I had my list of things. And then we would have interactions together, and, you know, we would have arguments or disagreements and stuff, and we would always be constantly asking each other, okay, uh, what just happened right there? Is that something that you feel like you could deal with for the rest of your life? Right. We're asking each other these questions before we get married, man. And that's the difference because you understand, you understand what those things are, and you're not walking into it blind. So many times, you know, and that doesn't mean that people split up, but so many times people get married and they have no clue what marriage is. They think marriage is just dating, you know, on steroids. Mm. And dating is not marriage. But people, because they've dated for two years or what, they think, oh, this is, this is, this is like marriage, and this is the way it's going to be. No, it's not. 
And that's a lie if you actually think that, that your, your marriage life is going to be like your dating life. So would you say that people are more ready to commit the second or third time around? I think when people, the second or third time around, when people are, are serious about getting married, okay, and they're contemplating it, it's a, a different thought process. And you look at this and say, all right, am I willing to deal with this for the rest of my life? Is this what I want to do? Because it's not just about the sex. It's not just she got a cute butt and all this kind of thing, and woo, 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 and, and don't touch me. I, you know, you grow up. You know, and I, and I think, you know, a 22-year-old dude, he, you know, he's so full of testosterone and trying to get his rocks off, he can't think of anything straight. You know, by the time you get a little older, you start to think, well, you know what? You know, younger, when, 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 when we're younger, the women have the control. You know, they, 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 you know they, they're doling out the cookies. When you get older, that flips. Okay? And you, ain't, you realize you can get any time you want. It ain't no big deal anymore. I mean, you, you know, it ain't nothing. You know, and that power that they used to have, you know, over the nookie ain't that big a deal to you anymore. You'd be like, oh, you going to shut it down? Oh, really? Oh, hmm. That ain't going to work. You ain't playing that game on me. So, you know, you start to think of things that are much more important than just the nookie. I guess that, that that stresses being important for an independent third party um, set of eyes before the marriage even takes place, even in the um, first marriage. Amen. Well, somebody help guide both of them through those tough questions. That that is so important that, that you were somebody talking about before. You know, uh, planning for the the wedding more than planning for the marriage. Yeah. You need to have a third party to sit down and uh, you know a couple that's been through the mill. So you can realize what really marriage is, because so many young couples have no clue what marriage is. No clue. Yeah. They have this, especially women, have this fairy tale in their mind that, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I met this guy and fell in love, and he swept me off my feet. How much work did it take to fall in love? Nothing. You did nothing. You fell in love. He swept me off my feet. What work did you do? None. He just swept me off my feet. Well, guess what? Marriage is work. The I think falling in love sexes, process is not work, but marriage I, is work. I think both sexes go in with the fairy tale. She goes in with the fairy tale that he's going to change, and he goes in saying, ain't nothing going to change. And they both <laughs> yeah. Women lie. Yeah, in most Alan. cases, women yeah. gain a lot by getting married. Men lose a lot getting married. Sex. That's right. Men lose the ability to, 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 to jump the sticks of any cute honey that comes by. That's a big thing to a dude, to, to, to play the field, most dudes. Mm. But, Alan, do you think that, you know, you talk about the different sexes um, when it comes to this second marriage um do you think who does better at, at marriage the second or third time around men or women um 
it all depends if, like Andrew was saying, if there's a change of heart in either one. Um, that's who I would say does the best because um, if neither one of us has changed, uh, male or female, we'll go in and do the same exact thing. We'll we'll replay that story um, just with a different person. Yep. And, and if I found it's easy to get out of it, hey, it's easy to get out. So when you talk about a change of heart, you know, are, are you saying that, you know, people who are in their second or third marriages maybe have a deeper sense of, gra- sense of gratitude, you know, gratitude for a second chance at, at life and love or something? Or? Um. I don't know if it's that term I would use. I would maybe say understanding what real love is, understanding what this marriage is, and understanding what I can expect out of it. Because if I go into a marriage expecting you to fulfill all my needs and complete me, um, yeah, that's not going to work. But if I go in knowing that this is, mutually beneficial for both of us and it portrays a bigger picture not not only for me and you our enjoyment but for our children as the people are watching us as uh, our friend said earlier then I know that you know I'm going in this thing and every day is not going to be rosy but I'm hanging in here to display you know a bigger picture of what my life is or what my role in this world is, is to express um, this love that I have um, in good times and bad times and not just leaving out. You know, I think he he hit on the key fact, the Mm -hmm. expectation. I think the expectation in the first marriage is very, very different than the expectation if you've gone through a divorce. I really think that that people have this fairy tale of marriage. Yes. Okay. Um, And they wake up, and a lot of times they find themselves in a nightmare. And instead of having guidance before they get into the marriage or guidance as they're going through this minefield, they just throw in a towel and say, the heck with it. Okay, um, I, you know, so I, I really believe that what, what he said about the expectations, when you grow up, and you have to grow up, you really have to grow up and realize it's not all about you. That's what I had to do. You know, my, my ex-wife, she'd ask me, well, what would you do if I left you? I was like, you can be replaced. That's a horrible thing to say to your wife, but that's where I was at. I was like, you can be replaced. There's other fish in the sea. Imagine saying that to your wife. Hmm. But that's where I was at because it was all about me. But that's our cultural mindset. Everything can be replaced. Yeah. and, and, and When was the last time we took our TV to a TV repair shop? They even have it. <laughs> you get a flat screen. Yeah. <laughs> just get a new flat and screen. We have to, and we have to understand. Have those? Just a, we just have to understand not just as men but as women too. Marriages are under attack. Yep. Absolutely. 
every day. From what we what we see on TV to what we hear on the on the news and music, marriages are under attack. And, and all we, we see go, is when things get tough, bail. Yeah, that's the answer. And the the TV shows they have on these days are just unbelievable. And I, you know, housewives of this and that. I mean, and I mean they're they're building craziness. I mean, what examples do people have? You know, what are they looking at? So would you guys that have been married uh, more than once, would you all advise a, a quote-unquote uh, start a marriage? I mean, it, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, what the heck it, is a love, start a marriage? Is love really lovelier the second or third time around? Like I think even I think Ike may have uh, proposed this one time. This you got to get one out of the way, right, Ike? Oh, he ain't saying nothing now. Well, um, I don't know how I could have learned what I've learned if I hadn't gone through what I went through. Right, exactly. I don't recommend going down that path. Because it's very costly. It hurts the kids. I mean, if if I could get to where I am now without having to go through what I went through, that's the best way. Uh, but I was so damn hard. Excuse, I was so hard headed. I don't know if I could have got to that point until until I lost everything and God had to break me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, I had to hit rock bottom. You know, and and for me, that was what the difference was. I hate to say starter marriages, but, I mean, I had to realize, like I said, for me, the most important thing that I realized was it wasn't all about me. You know, life didn't revolve around Andrew Diaz, and that was what I had to really grasp. And when I grasped that, then I could see things in a different light. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, people had to get hurt, or people not had to get hurt, people got hurt because of that, because, you know, because of my selfishness. And, I mean, if you're in a marriage and you're stepping out, that's a selfish move. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. That's a selfish move. And, Andrew, you mentioned the kids and I like to unveil for the first time ever on the Married Men Don't Talk show a two-way monkey wrench a two-way monkey wrench is one question that can be interpreted in two totally different ways so here's the monkey wrench two ways why do so many people put marriage second and children first? And what that means, here's the first way, and y'all can grab it, either one. Have children first, then get married, or put their children first and their marriage comes second. So the question again, why do so many people put marriage second and children first.
Um, I hear that a lot in second marriages. Where um, my children come first. Okay, mm-hmm. when when especially when women get remarried, mm-hmm. my children come first. Okay, you know the husband comes after the kids. My kids are first, which is just totally unbiblical and totally a way to destroy your marriage. Anybody else want to get in on that? Why do so many people put marriage second and children first? They either have children first and then go to the justice of the peace or have the big wedding and have the children in the wedding, or they put their marriage, they put their children first and the marriage comes second. Well, Why do people well Rodney, it could be something that um, they're still looking for someone to love. And who the easier one to love is the kids because they'll listen to you. Mm. I think we we go ahead. We're given a model is saying if you're a good parent, everything else comes second. When if you really think of it, that's the real definition of a bad parent is because you'll put the kids before your marriage and split the marriage up because of the kids trying to please them or do everything right for them. I think the gentleman just said it's it's an unbiblical model and we try to distance ourselves from the spiritual, especially in marriage, and just go off feelings and what we think is good. You hear all the time, my kids come first. My kids come first. Husbands hear it. Wives hear it. And then we start believing, okay, the kids do come first. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to find somebody that's going to put me first. Yep. Then you find that chick over the water cooler. Yep. Because <laughs> her kids. They're saying, oh, your wife doesn't listen to you? Oh, wow. Oh, really? She has a good man like you? Oh wow. Hmm. Any any woman would like a man like you. <laughs> I'm not lying. Yeah, and P Town says something interesting regarding the kids compared to your wife. Um your kids and I think I've said this on the show before, your kids have your DNA. As your wife doesn't. And therein lies a distinction. You know, your your kids have, you know, your blood running through their veins, and your wife doesn't. And that's different, you know. Your wife would never have that. I mean, it's just a different dynamic. That's why it's so much easier for us to, you know, love the kids, you know, if they do whatever. I mean, we're still going to love them, period. You well, know what I mean? not if you got married in West Virginia. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I had to say Good low blow, good low blow <laughs> I mean, because we're talking about, you know um, Some people, as we talked about in the first frame Some people wait until their second marriage to have their first child You know um, But I want to, I wanna, let me switch gears a little bit 
And let me tell you all a little story. And this is a true story, by the way. Has to do with a lovely lady? It does. A woman was married. Yeah, listen. A woman was married for 12 years to a man that she met after she lost contact with her first love. Over those 12 years, she and her husband had three children together. But last year, she met her first love, and the old love was rekindled. He wanted her back, and she wanted him back, even though he was married himself. Now, he told his wife about her and and, and still had all of their old pictures. So now, this lady wants a divorce from her husband of 12 years. So here's her question, fellas. Should she get divorced to marry her first love? Lost well, contact find with her first true love, you know. Should she get married? She's going to find out if she goes down that road that, that, that that's going to come back on her. Why? This is her first love. Yeah. First true love. They just lost contact. You know, she ended up meeting another guy. They got married. They had three children. Uh, and wait, wait, wait till uh, things get tough with her and him, and he starts talking to old flames again. Mm. They be sitting in my living room. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We've had it, man. Mm. That's what y'all think, fellas. And, you know, should she rekindle? Somebody will that leave their thing? wife for you. They will leave you for someone else. If that commitment doesn't mean anything to them, then their commitment to you isn't going to mean anything either. Mm. You're going to start recognizing those things and start to realize that the things that you did with him, with him are now being done to you. Go ahead, Does that mean in your relationship, in, in your marriage, when you're in the marriage, are you thinking about the other person the whole time? That's what my question would be. If mm-hmm. you rekindle an old, uh, looking for old people, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, she saw him, they lost contact, and then right away, the spark, still there, just like that, bam, old love rekindled. So obviously she was thinking about him, and and he was thinking about her, you know, in some regard, where she's contemplating divorce from the father of her three children, 12 years of marriage, and she did not say that her marriage was bad or, you know, he was beaten or it's on the rocks or he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. He's just not her first love. Right, that's right. That sounds like a go right ahead moment. But you leave him with nothing. That's right. Nothing. Tell your story. Walking. And she going to find out that it wasn't all she bargained for. Mm. So no divorce, no divorce. So she should stay with her current husband of 12 years, knowing that she wants to be with her first love. The marriage ain't going to be good anyway if if she continues to stay somewhere where she wants to stay, I believe. 
I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be good if you keep continue to think about someone else and have that person on your mind when you're making love to your husband and, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what my ex-wife told me. She said, you know, at the end of it, she's like, look, you know, you, you disgust me when you touch me, and I'm thinking about somebody else. And when she told me that, and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's too much like prison. your ex-brother so you've been married uh how many times oh it's my you know it's my second time okay well they don't know you know you just got on here you know so they don't know oh my bad um, yeah yeah second time you know and she just she just didn't want to be with because she fell in love with somebody else and once the once the heart is gone then that's that's pretty much it mm. i mean i tried to get her back but you know we that's what we try to do to be right in the eyes of god but you know, once the heart's gone, that's a wrap. So did she fall in love with her true love, her first true love? Yeah, she just fell in love with with somebody she said that she wanted for a long time. So I said, okay. I mean, I got I can't can't be losing my job and trying to choke you out because I'm mad and want you to stay. You know? Oh yeah, you could. No, that's not working. <laughs> then, the, then the children would lose both parents, you know. Well, I didn't say that's the, the move. You said you couldn't do it. I said, yeah, you could. A lot yeah. of dudes do. <laughs> I mean, that, that may not the move, be the move you want to do, but you could. Right, right. right. And how long were and y'all and married? At the end of the day, it's not worth it. Because, hey, how long? If, you know what? If you are with a an unbeliever and they don't want to stay, let them go. Yeah, how long were y'all married, um, you know, when she, quote-unquote, had this revelation that, you know, she still had old feelings or whatever for an old boy? Oh, 10 years. It's 10 wow. years. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's why you go back and you try to make sure that, you know, hey, I want to make sure that this is what you want, man. You know, all you can do at the end is shrug your shoulders, put your hands up, and 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 say, God, you know, hey, it ain't my fault. You know, I mean, I'm I'm quite sure I was faulted at some degree, but mm-hmm. not to the degree to to push her completely out like I'm cheating on her or something. You know what I mean? Right. So now the only question I have with these these high school sweetheart things are. Is this something that's just rekindled when they see a picture or Facebook? You know, they see them. Or is this something that's been going on since day one that you just found out about ten years yeah, later? Yeah, that was my question. Is like, how did you have any inkling, you know, that she still had these feelings, you know, for her ex, you know, during your ten-year marriage? Well, it was, uh, and I don't want to get into to sure, long sure. I can, but yeah. you know, we've got other things we got to do. But uh, sure, it, it was most mostly it was a. I, I, everybody know I'm from Georgia, but it ain't a Georgia thing, okay? She uh, she had a crush on a long lost cousin, and then she got back in touch with him because he was in prison, and then you know, and then one thing led to another, and you know, now you're not a kid anymore. You you're a grown up. You know, last time you seen him, you was eight years old. You said this was Georgia or West Virginia? <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> I do. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm just waking back. <laughs> 
Hey, wait a minute. Did you say not only was the dude the cousin, but he was in prison too? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I felt real low. And what else, Darren? And what else? Yeah. Let him finish. Go ahead, Darren. You know, I was over, you know, in the in the military and overseas, I mean, in Hawaii, not really overseas, but in Hawaii. But um, it just was a, yeah, I was going to work, going to school, and going to church, and I probably neglected some time at home because I was trying to finish my degrees before I got out of the military. And, you know, she started writing him as a far, as part of a prison ministry. And um, and then, uh, you know, he started writing them slick letters and drawing those slick pictures and writing them slick poems. And after that, you know, hey, that was a wrap. Wow. I kept telling you. Know, I write slick poems too. <laughs> if you didn't know. If you need he's one, gonna he's gonna write one for Rodney. Yeah, he's gonna write one for me, I'm gonna sign it and give it to my wife. But if you need one Yeah, there my poems are so slick, Rodney was asking me for one. <laughs> we had to straighten that out. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna use and I'm gonna slide it. You know. Slide right it. Right now I know you can I know you can write a poem. I cannot. I really cannot. I can't rhyme anything. I can write. But I, can't, I can't. It won't rhyme. You know what, is the, what they call it? Haiku or something? I mean, I no. It won't rhyme at all. I'm just that's just not my gift. So I was serious. You know, give me, give me some. Show, show off some of your talents. And but no, I'll get, I'll get caught. You know, my wife be like, you, you, you ain't write this. Who wrote this? <laughs> Who wrote this? So sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No, man, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so y'all end up getting divorced, um, unfortunately. Um, and I'm about to say something radical. And Tony might fire me for this one, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I'd like to recommend that some of y'all get divorced. Some of y'all need to get divorced. Why, right. why do you say that? Because you need to get divorced because your life is out of order. Can somebody tell me, somebody tell me what the topic is tonight? What is the topic tonight? Anybody know? Anybody remember? What is the topic for tonight? Second marriage. Second marriage. Mm-hmm. What else? Is it better than the first? Second marriage, first love is the topic tonight. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't God be everyone's first love? Yes, and he is, Rodney. He is. Nice try, Rodney. Nice try. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> no, count. I'm serious. You know, I'm 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 serious. You know. Yeah, we are too. Yeah, nice try. <laughs> you you're getting such a gas face right now. <laughs> now listen, I mean, there, there's some people, you know, some people may be listening, and they may be out there thinking, you know, what he gonna do? I mean, if someone doesn't know God, can they know love? That's what I'm asking. If someone doesn't know God, can they know love? 
Well, again, it all depends on what your definition is. Okay, if your definition of love, you can't know godly love. You can't. You can know worldly love, but you can't know the love of Christ. That's right. You can't That's right. understand um, true forgiveness and true sacrificial love that Christ has for us. And in my opinion, until you receive God's love and accept it, you don't really understand love, and you don't have it to give. Mm. Because your love is conditional. Mm-hmm. We can't, until we understand, and, and oh, I won't say we, until I understood Christ's love for me, until his love was poured into me, I didn't have love to give. That's why it was easy for me to say, you can be replaced. Yeah, and you're exactly right, and that's what I'm talking about, Andrew, is, you know, First John, you know, says a couple things. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You slide on down to verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And the Bible actually warns Christians about losing their first love. Jesus warned in Revelation, you know, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So how does one recapture? I mean, you did it, Andrew. How does one recapture their first love for God? And secondly, how can we maintain the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated and not let it grow cold? How does one recapture their first love for God? Well, for me, I I didn't know Christ. So to say he was my first love and I walked away is not true. Um, when I met Christ, uh, I was 40 years old, and and it was you know so I didn't walk away from Christ. I didn't know him. He was wooing me, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in essence. He was really my first love because I really didn't know love. And when when I found his love, I realized how inadequate I was as, as what really happened. And I, I saw what I thought, you know, me giving love was so pathetic compared to what the love of Christ that he poured into me. And when I saw that, I realized I had dropped the ball and I wanted to make things right to the point that I had to go back to my first wife and and ask her to forgive me for the things I did and had to go back to my second wife and do the same thing. But I didn't know that until I knew Christ's love. Hey, Andrew, let me ask you a question. How how did they receive you when you went um, to them and and apologized to them? Did they, did, they, uh, did they understand where you was coming from or did they... You know, did they have some kind of problem with you know? You got my first. To my first to... wife did, and and we had a wonderful conversation, and you know we we you know were able to you know she was able to forgive me, and and you know we 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 had a better relationship. Um, she passed away a couple of years ago, so you know that's a different situation now. But my second wife, no, she's never accepted that. Matter of fact. My second wife said that 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 I wasn't really a, a Christian, and I was just duping the people around me to make them believe I was a Christian. 
And to this day, she still doesn't believe that, that I'm a Christian because she was a super Christian when I met her and, and um, quote-unquote, prayed for 13 years for, for me to get saved. And when I got saved, she said, there, there's no way God could save somebody as horrible as you. Mm. Wow. Mm. That's strong. Mm-hmm. Well, what about those, um, you know, those brand-new Christians, you know, all on fire for Christ, seeking his word, all because they're so madly in love? You know, what happens to their enthusiasm over time? Um, I guess oh, it depends those... on, on, you know, if if they were truly rooted in Christ, because if they're truly, truly rooted in Christ, they're going to be there till the end. If they were, if they were seed put on shallow soil, they're going to, they're going to die out. But if, but the true Christian is going to, is going to hang on through the storms. But I think they mature in time. I think they mature over time. Because I'm pretty sure most of us were the same way. And, you know, we would go back to our friends that weren't saved and be like, man, you need to stop, stop going to church. You need to get yourself together, you know, because we was on fire. But then you have to learn that you can't take that approach. You know what I mean? you got to get your feet grounded before you go out and start telling other people how to live their life, you know. And new Christians do that, you know. They think that, you know, it's the only way which it is, but, you know, it's, you know, I mean, you got to, it's called a Christian in training, somebody once called it. But you have to, you have to mature and understand, you know, you have to develop your relationship with God before you can, you know, move on. And I think a lot of times we don't have the relationship with God. We just want to get to know him and we're excited. And that's why we do the things that we do. That's good words, T-Hawk. And you talked about, you made a profound statement, you know, there with we have to develop a relationship with God. Um, would you say that, is God jealous? Would you say he's jealous? Well, I think he's jealous in the sense where you ask him for things and then once he delivers and you take credit for it or you put the credit somewhere else and you know that it was him. And when you talk about, yeah, I mean, even when you're talking about the marriage and um, and the and the young Christian, even when you have a girl and you're, 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 you're dating for the first time, and you're excited, you want to get to know, you stand, you stay on the phone all night, you know what I mean, and, and you can't wait to see her, you're telling all your friends about her, and then two, three, four years later, you don't feel the same way. It doesn't mean you don't love her. It just means that you're not giddy about it. You've matured to, you know what I'm saying, you are, you have matured to handle it a different way. You follow what I'm saying? I think it's the same concept when it's, when it's with the Lord as well. I don't know. Andrew said some people, some people get on fire, but they didn't make the confession with their heart. They just made it with their mouth. You see what I'm saying? So at the end, it's all the same. You know, they're on to the next, the next uh, 
phases in life without the Lord. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really um, what what the proverb about the soil and planting the seed is. You know, the, the seed sprouts up, but it's not in in real soil. It's not in deep soil. And when you know the sun comes in, it burns it out. So in other words, yeah, you said it with your mouth, but it didn't sink into the the soil of your heart. love can definitely be rekindled but you know what can we do to prevent it from growing growing cold you know what kind of things can we do with that first love you know what what can we do to prevent it you know from from growing cold again anything or is it inevitable well, you gotta. Um, I believe you gotta meet, get your match, meet the right woman, and get your match. I think there's there's gonna be ebbs and flows in every marriage. I don't think you're always gonna be on fire, always, you know that 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 woo woo stage. And I think you have to you have to decide that you know you're in it. You know you're in it to win it. And no matter what the situation, you know, you're going to be there. So when you, you know, when you take divorce off the table, you're going to be there. You know, like I said, in any in any relationship, you go through, you know, different different seasons in that relationship. You know, you're not going to have the same exact, you know, all the time. But, you know, that doesn't mean we, you know, we don't love each other. It just means, you know, hey. We're going through a different time, you know, and, and different things will happen as you as you as you live and as you're married. You're going to go through things, whether it be stresses at work, whether it be financial stresses, whether it be you know deaths in the family. Different things will happen, and you'll have to realize that the same attention isn't going to be paid on you. But you know, there's times that you've got to be there for your partner as they go through. You know, if if your wife is fat, you know, facing cancer, it's going to be a different ball game than when y'all were twenty two walking around smacking each other on the butt and can't wait to hop in the sack every second. Right. You're going to be sitting there as she's going through chemo, and you know it's going to be a different deal. And you have to understand, in sickness and in health, the lo- the love just because situations change just because trials come and as 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 peter said trials will come okay and then you have got to have something to fall back on and if your faith isn't strong enough you know that's when the sun's going to come and scorch the the seed that's been planted that's why you've got to you got to dig a taproot deep into the word if you're not deep into the word satan's going to come and take that seed away from you Mm. Wow. You said deep into the word, Andrew. You, you got to build know. a taproot. And, and I'm going to tell you what, um, when I went through my divorce, that, that second divorce, I built a taproot deep into the word. And it rooted me into Christ in a way that no matter what the storms I go through now, I know he'll never leave me. 
Because if he was going to leave me, he would have left me then because everybody else did. And he showed me things as I drove that taproot deep into his word to understand that his word is true. And everything else is, is, is shifting sand. But when you know that you know that you know, then it doesn't matter what, what, what Satan throws at you. It doesn't matter what life throws at you. You know that God's word is true. But if you don't know that, if you're living somebody else's faith, then, you know, some little storm is going to come around and it's going to blow you off course. Mm. And you said deep in into the word, Andrew, deep into the word. And did y'all know that the Bible starts and ends with a marriage? Did y'all know that? The Bible starts and ends with a marriage. Anybody want to expound on that, break that thing on down? Starts and ends with a marriage. So before God made Eve from Adam's rib, it was just God and Adam, God and man, right? Right? Yep. And we end with the, 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 the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm. When Christ gets his bride. Talk about it. Yeah, and And when we start to grasp what this is really about, then the little stuff isn't that big a deal. Paul talks about it, these light afflictions. Now, I don't know if being shipwrecked is a light affliction. I don't know if being bitten by poisonous snakes is a light affliction. I don't know if being stoned to death is a light affliction. But when he talks about the light afflictions, because these are the things he went through, and when we talk about the light, when he talked about the light afflictions, we wouldn't probably call those things light afflictions. But he was talking about those things as light afflictions in the in the scope of eternity. So if you look at the things that we have to go through, these trials that we're going through, our wife isn't doing this or that. They're really light afflictions in the scope of things, and the word gives us gives us warning. You know, don't treat your wife of your youth with treachery because your your prayers will not be heard. And, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I want my prayers heard. And, and at Andrew, the end of the day, it's going to be you and the Lord at some point. something when you said what this is really about and if y'all remember to those that were here the very first thing I said tonight was that I'm in my first marriage but that was a lie and now I'd like to take the time to correct the record and I alluded to it earlier, but this is actually my second marriage because my first love is God. 
Now, I was married to God first, way before I even met my wife. Now, blogger Evan Lentz writes this, and I quote, To be married to God means that all my needs are already met for all time, end quote. So what do y'all think about this kind of radical concept, or am I out in left field somewhere with this tonight? When did you get married to God? When was the ceremony? When I gave my life to him, when I got saved. So that was your marriage? Absolutely. You see, I I look at that as as an adoption into the family, not as a marriage. Yeah, I don't look at that as a marriage at all. I think you're married to your wife. God is the head of that marriage to you and your wife. Yeah, I never looked at it as being married to God. I look at it as being adopted into the family of God and being a child of God, but not being his bride. I will be his bride at some point when he brings uh-huh. the whole family and, and watches me you know, white as snow. But right now, I, I, I see myself not, as his, not as, as, as his wife, but as his child. So, so, so then... If there's no marriage in heaven, which I hear, then when you get to heaven, are you going to get divorced? If you're married to God. Well, when it, the word uh, tells us that, you know, we are we are his bride and that he died for us. And then that's why we should, and that's exactly how men should treat their woman. As, you know, we should be able to die for her. And and so we are married, and because he describes us as a bride, and you know, well, how many men look at it. look at God as their husband? That's what and I'm how saying. How many men refer to themselves as a bride? But that's well, what he's I'm talking saying. about. I mean, I mean, be real. Let, let, let's leave the Christians talk out and be real. How many men look at look at themselves as a bride and look at God as their husband? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Well, you. Well, I know a bunch of women walking around with that nonsense. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Wait, okay, so talking like that. They're beat up by men, and they don't want they don't want to get hurt anymore. So they say, "God is my husband. I don't need no man." But I don't know many men walking around saying, "God is my husband." Well, if you're looking at yeah. it in a in a natural, then it's not going to make any sense. Well, that's what we but are in the natural, and that's what I'm saying in, in real terms. How many men are walking around looking at God and saying, "That's my husband, and I'm your wife." Mm. I mean, realistically, okay. put the put the Christianese aside, and realistically, how many men are walking around acting like that or thinking that? Well, I am. Well, I, I'm not going to lie so. to you. I am because for the simple fact that if I don't think like that, then I don't know what kind of person I would be. So well, you're married to two. So you're married I'm his child, and I've been adopted into the family, and I'm a child of God, and when he comes back, you know, and, and, and ushers me into heaven and washes me white as snow, I will be his bride. And in the same breath, you call him father. Yeah. Right, but okay, I'm talking about... Okay, when I get to heaven, I don't know what I'm going to call him. But right but I'm now, talking about as I don't people, look at him though. as my husband. I look at him as my no. father. I'm, I'm huh? talking about yeah. as a people, though. I'm not talking about as a as an actual how we how we do things here on this earth. I'm talking about... But as we are here on this earth. That's, yeah, that's the only, way, the only way I can relate right now. In the future, 
I don't know. I don't understand. One of the things I don't understand, because, you know, I love me some Nikki, and heaven's supposed to be great. And, he- and, and in heaven without Nikki, I don't know how great that's going to be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm you, just saying. Like, now, now y'all may y'all say, oh, Angie, you're out of line. You're being, I'm just telling you the truth. Well, now, Andrew, I love me missed, some Nikki. You're missing the point that we're just passing through. I understand that. I'm hoping we can get some damn Nikki in heaven. <laughs> It may be so great that we don't even have to think about looking at it. That's right. Okay. Right. And if I ain't thinking about it, all right. I'm just telling you. <laughs> hey, tell me y'all ain't thought about that. Yeah, I have not. I want to be able to not think about it. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. I don't want to think about it, but right now I'm thinking about it. All right. <laughs> now, now I'm you talking need, truth. Y'all don't want to hear truth on a Tuesday night. Hey, Rodney, <laughs> when you finish up, I need about 10 minutes, okay? Absolutely sure thing. Go ahead, Darren. You were saying, help him out, Darren. Help him out, Darren. Help him out. Y'all have reached a level I haven't got to yet. Maybe so. Darren, go help y'all. Go ahead, Darren. Well, the the, the, the way I see it and and the way the words say, if you be in this world and not of this world, then your your level of thinking is going to be different. It's not going to be the same as you're not going to be thinking about Nookie when you're referring to Harry. You're not going to be thinking about women and duty and all the other stuff. You're gonna be thinking about, okay, let me please, let me please God, and then all these other things that be added unto me, including Nuki. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a thing of, you know, when I say I'm his, I'm his bride and he's my husband. It's like a, as far as a family of people, he's looking at the family of people as his bride. And if you're not thinking on that level, then you're gonna be thinking in a, in a way that is perverted. You're not gonna be look, thinking that it is a way as a as a as a spiritual thing, so right. and once you and we, once you think of it on that level, then it won't be so much as a, you know, uh, I ain't nobody's bride. He ain't sticking nothing in me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that, Dan, and thank you for helping me because it it is on a different level. And I told y'all it was radical, but T Hawk said something about developing a relationship a while ago, and I want to come back to that. Um, because oftentimes we talk about intimacy here on the show, and intimacy is a difficult topic. Um, and But, to, I mean, the bottom line, to achieve intimacy with your wife, don't you need to have intimacy with God first? Or was that not important? And the reason I say that, fellas, is that I struggle with intimacy with my wife. I'm not ashamed to say it. I admit to y'all this evening, that's an area of my marriage that needs improvement. You know, they got pills to help out with that now, you know. No, I'm not talking sex. I'm talking intimacy. I'm messing with you, man. I'm messing with you. <laughs> and, but, no, I mean, that's a good point, Andrew, because people don't know the difference. But but here's the problem. I, I'll, I'll make another admission to you guys. I don't have any intimacy with God either. It's fleeting. It's here, it's there, but it's not consistent. So, I mean, do, do y'all think that has anything to do? Maybe you think it has nothing to do with the intimacy with my wife, that I have no intimacy. I don't talk to God like I should. I don't read and study like I should. Well, how should you? I mean, what? what because I, I've heard you say the term that you had a terrible prayer or something like that. And that always stuck with me because I don't understand. I, I, what what is a terrible no no prayer? no I, what I said was that I have a terrible prayer life so, 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 
So what that means is that it's inconsistent, it's not regular. So and putting it in natural terms, just imagine if I didn't talk to my wife. Hey Rodney, how how often how often are you supposed to talk to God? Well, according to probably as often as you talk to to your wife. (laughs) Right. So wait a minute, you say you supposed to talk to God how often now? I'd say at least every day. So you supposed to talk to God every day. Every day. You talk to your wife every day. Yes, sir. Rodney, I will tell you this, and this is from my experience, okay? Um, when you hit a crisis, you'll talk to God. Absolutely. No problems there, brother. Okay. No problem. When you hit a trial and you hit a storm, you'll talk to God. Um, and I'm going to tell you what, as, as I... As I um, as I struggled through different storms in my life, and the major storm when I came to Christ, and I talked about developing a tap root and, and, and driving deep into God, was the most intimate time I had with God my whole life. Um, literally, he would wake me up at 4 o'clock every morning, and for two hours, I literally was face down, praising and praying to God every day. Um. And in the midst of that storm, that's where I where I needed to be. Um, I don't have that today, although different times and different challenges. And some of y'all know, you know, I've been through some challenges in these last few days. Um, you will find that he's right there, and we've just got to clear our mind and clear our our, our appointment book and put God on it, because that's really what he speaks is he seeks relationship with us. And we let the stuff of life come in between. And, and if Rodney deems me 10 minutes, I want to talk to you all about something before we get off here. But it's, oh, sure. it's really important that we realize that the only time in life to seek God is not in a trial and not in a storm. He wants relationship with us all the time. just not there's no there's no end in sight to the drama. You know what I mean? Then that may be an option. You talking about married in name only? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about they're not exhausting all options. They're just they just they're just roommates, they just go to their corners. But they're still married. I mean you still see them out at, you know, the gatherings in the church, but, you know, when the door is closed when they go home, you know, they go their separate ways. 
Well, I would have other kids involved. Because if there's kids involved, you know, my I don't think he's talking about any one particular couple. No, no. You're not talking about a particular couple, right? No. Yeah. Like, what would be the better option that, you know, to continue to put on appearances and really not, you know. Don't fake the funk. Don't fake the funk. Mm. Don't fake the funk. You know what I mean? But it sounds like that situation, nobody wants to get help, or one person wants to get help and the other person doesn't want to get help. You know what I mean? So, you know, we did a show before, you know, being on the battlefield by yourself. Yeah. That sucks. You know what I mean? You you know, you're in a marriage, but you're on the battlefield by yourself. And the other person is all right with appearances. See, one person can be all right with appearances, but the other yeah. person might want results. The other you person know. might want a real marriage, and 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 the other and one person might just want the paper. Exactly, because because appearances don't get you that nooky Angie was talking about. Yeah. Because when you get behind the closed doors, you know, like you said, y'all may go go y'all might be going to separate bedrooms. Mm-hmm. You know, and what does that breed? But really, what you what you actually have, you don't actually have a marriage, okay? You just got a piece of paper at that point. The marriage probably ended a long time before that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of folks that don't have marriages that are legally married. There's, there's a bunch of folks that split up and never got a divorce and illegally married and been that way for 20, 30 years. But they don't have a marriage. There's a difference between being married and having a marriage. But mm. mm-hmm. mm. well, what about, and I've seen some couples do this, what about divorcing and remarrying the same person all over again? I mean, in some kind of weird way, is divorcing your wife and then remarrying her, could that help? I I don't understand. I don't don't get that, man. Fool me once, shame on me. Yeah, I I don't get that, and, you know, that that makes no sense to me. But I'm still confused by your comment, Rodney, uh, about your intimacy and you're not intimate with God. I'm, 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 I'm just as perplexed about that as anything. Why are you perplexed? So you say your intimacy with your wife is because you're not intimate with God and you don't talk to God enough. Yes. But have you prayed to God about the intimacy with your wife? No, because I don't talk to him. Like I should. So you, but you, wait a minute, you don't pray to God at all? Not really. Okay, I'm... I'm okay. I'm I'm blown. Why are you blown? I'm just being. You saying you don't, you don't, you don't, do you pray to God every day? No, definitely not. Maybe once, mm-hmm. once a week, twice a week. Oh, maybe. you don't start off in the morning thanking God your no. eyes open. Your wife no. in there. No. How? Oh. 
No. You don't pray for again, you? Again, ho, 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 ho. There's no, see, see, and, and, and see, that, that's the issue. There's no third degree. His relationship with God is his relationship with God. Well, no, no, no. I I know it is, but see, I'm I'm, I'm and I'm doing something that a lot of Christians do, and 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 I apologize for that because I'm basing what I do on, on what Rodney should do, and in, and in no way is that something that you should do, Rodney. But you you haven't prayed to God about the intimacy with your wife. No. Just that one that one question. No, because I don't well, have I, any intimacy with him yet. Well, I, I need to get on so. just a, a, a intimacy regular with God. Got to do with you praying to God. I don't. I don't get that. It's two different intimacy things. Is, right. No, right. intimacy. Pray to, part of intimacy. I pray to God about intimacy with your wife, and let your mind go about this whole intimacy with God. If you pray with God about the things going on with you, good or bad, you will develop the intimacy that you say you don't have. You just hit the nail on the head. I think you're overcomplicating it. You know, I think the whole key with, with intimacy is relationship. And we can't have a relationship without communication. That's right. That's uh, what I'm Communication saying. with our wife is, is obviously, you know, uh, through oral communication, through physical communication, through touch. And uh, with God, well, hold on, Drew. Hold on. Right, right now, I think, you, I think you're pulling a fast one. I am not. Trust me, brother, I'm not. Okay. I would All not. Right. Not, not but here's, here's the bottom line is um, intimacy is developed through relationship, and relationship is developed through communication. The more naked we are, the more intimate we become. The more we communicate with each other on a real level, the more open we are, the more communication we have, the more intimacy we develop. Um, and with God, it's the same way. You know, I mean, if we're if we're open with God, and we're honest with God, and we have a communication with God, you know, then we start developing an intimacy. And communication with God is 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 two ways: one through prayer, and 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 that's us talking to Him, and one through, you know, through reading His Word, and that's Him talking to us and being sensitive to the Spirit and what He puts in our heart. Um, what I have found is when I go through those dry seasons, it almost always comes down to me not being in the word enough. Yeah, okay, right. Well, right, just pray just yeah. pray to God about intimacy with your wife. Just don't worry about the whole you ain't intimate with God, I got that. Just pray about <laughs> You have that just, now? Huh? I said, do you have that now? Andrew just broke it down. Intimacy, part of intimacy is communication. I don't, when I'm talking about I don't have any intimacy with God, I don't communicate with him like I should, like I should. Well, I, I have I have a relationship, but my relationship is not where it should be because I don't talk to him like I should. I don't pray like I should. Okay. okay. See, every relationship goes through ebbs and flows. Your wife, your girlfriend, your friends, God, and, and we get closer sometimes and sometimes we don't. And our relationship with God is the same way. And what I have found is God never moves away from me. I move away from him. That's right. And for me, it always, it almost always comes down to I'm not in his word enough. I've allowed life to take me out of being in his word. And when I find that, I go, oh, wait a minute, that's what's missing. I need to, I need to set a time to be in his word. And that's what, now, what helps me. 
But every, yeah, I, I, so everybody goes through these ebbs and flows, you know, closer and further away in their relationship with God. Everybody does. If you don't, you're either crazy or you're lying. Yeah, I think that, I think that, Gladney, you kind of answered your own question and you solved your own dilemma, but you only use God as an example. And what I mean by that is you say that your intimacy with God needs help because you don't talk to God enough. But then you went and said that you have intimacy issues with your wife, and that's one of the issues that you need to work on. So then in return, I think in essence you would probably say, so you don't talk to your wife enough. That's why there's, that's why there's the intimacy issue. Because intimacy is communication initially before you get to anything else. Yes. And, you know, we we talk, but... We need to not intimately, right? Exactly. I mean, we're fourteen years in, bro. I mean, we we need to yeah. be a, a bit beyond um, where our conversations are today. And it's I'll hard, say man. that it's hard. It ain't. It ain't yeah. easy. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're exactly right. You're hundred percent correct. Yeah, because you, know, you got other conversations that are important that you have to have for the day-to-day and the kids and all that other stuff. And yeah. you got to try to fit in the intimacy conversations, too. Yeah, it's almost like you got to work at it at first to get your mind to that point because everything yeah. else is distraction. You do, especially exactly. when, you, when you load up your calendar and you got kids and you got all kind of other things. A lot of times the relationship with, with our spouse gets, you know, to the back burner because the things that are, you know, just urgent – you know, uh, kind of jump in the way of what we think is urgent, um, uh, you know, jumps in the way of what's really important. And, we, you know, we can't get twisted. You know, there's some urgent things that come up, but we can't let that take the place of the truly important things in our life. Rodney, I'm going to put it to you like this. Which do you think is more important to your kids? Are you taking them to all these different appointments, ballet, piano practice, or whatever, or are you getting a divorce? <laughs> you, you, well, uh, you know, I, I hate to oversimplify, but think about it. But sure. think about it. You, 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 you say, I'm just saying, if, you know, if you're missing all this intimate time with your wife, you have to take that time and find that balance to where you have that. If you have no time in a day, and from what you explained to us about your schedule, just from what you tell me, I don't see where you had time. Which would Bro. you think would be more beneficial to your kids? Hey, you know, I, I got you to every appointment, even though me and your mother's relationship corroded and eventually we got a divorce as soon as you all went to college. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, you know. I know you say. wouldn't, yeah, but I'm oversimplifying it. You're over- a very extreme, and, uh, very extreme it's example. It's extreme. But, I hear you. I mean, answer the question. What do you think? I mean, you know that. You know the answer. I mean, uh, uh, you know, what's important, and that's why I asked the question, is that do we, you know, to achieve intimacy with our wives, do we need to achieve intimacy with God first? Um, I don't know. Because, I mean, there's people that, that don't know Christ that have great marriages and they have intimate marriages. So I don't know if it's a prerequisite to have intimacy with God, to be able to have intimacy with somebody else. I don't know. 
Yeah, now, my marriage is based on that. So for me, I've, you know, our, 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 our marriage is based on both of us having a love for Christ. Yeah, and, and ours is too. And you said, you know, something earlier about um, being naked. And I think you, you were the one that said that, right? Being naked right. before God or something. Um, but I will, uh, you know, reveal and make an admission to y'all, too, that, and you can laugh if you want, but, <laughs> you know, I, um, the last time I had a really, you know, as Ike was talking about, had a really good conversation um, with God, I stripped naked. And I, I was in the room by myself. You know, my kids were asleep. My wife was in another room. Um, but my last really good prayer, I I talked to him, and I I took everything off, butt ball naked, and I talked to him. And that was that was about a month ago. It's not something, you know, I, obviously I don't do it on a regular, but I talked to him, you know, in that state, and... Do you know my prayer was answered the next day? The next day. Within 24 hours, God answered my prayer. Well, I hope you... uh... But again, I haven't been back to him since. Clothed or unclothed, I haven't really... You are blowing my mind tonight. I, I you, you get, you blow my mind, man. I'm just being honest, bro. I, I'm not pulling. Trust it, me, I'm not pulling your chain. It's 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 crazy to hear someone go through something that the first thing they should do is pray, but. They're not intimate. I, I'm. This this is this is not adding up in my mind. Yeah, but see, I I think I think Rodney is probably speaking for a good majority of people that mm-hmm. they take they take the control of their life and run the reins instead of going to God most of the time. God is a second or third option, and I think Rodney, being honest, is probably. On a lot of people's streets. Yeah, I, I hear what you're I mean, saying. If we strip the Christendom away, all right, and 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 the you know the holy hands raised, I think that he'd be on more people's streets than the people that that are going to God, you know, every day of their life, and, yeah. and having that relationship, you know, I think I think what he's saying is probably closer to what what the real deal is for a lot of people. Yeah, I hear what I you're saying. I agree. Okay, because I know in my life I have ebbs and flows. There's times that I'm lost. I can't even hear God. Mm-hmm. And when I get like that, I realize I've pulled away from him and I need to get back to him. And for me, the door is usually opened through his word. And then I can develop a prayer up my prayer life.
fellas. Um, <clears throat> last question, and we'll go over to open mic. True or false? The secret to a happy marriage is to put your spouse first. True or false? False. That's another trick. Come on, man. Why is it false? You know why it's false. You put God first. You already did it the whole little thing with the whole first marriage. Come on, man. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Make sure. Yeah, we still got. We still following. Okay. Okay. Well, blogger Evan Lentz goes a little further and puts it this way. All of our relationships are ultimately different aspects of our relationship to God. Marriage, the most intimate of human relationships, is a wonderful model for intimacy with God. That's true whether you're male or female and whether or not you're married or not. Anyone can become consciously married to God. This is a message of great hope because it suggests the possibility of a relationship more fulfilling and gratifying than the best human marriage you could imagine. When we look to another human being to fulfill our deepest desires, we inevitably become disappointed. When we look to another, when we are ultimately connected to the ultimate source and fulfillment of those desires, all of our human relationships flourish. That's because they start from a place of abundant love, rather than need or want. This inner marriage becomes the hidden channel for love to flow to us and from us and through us, as Andrew mentioned. Our love is infinite as true love always is, for love never fails. But how can we facilitate such transformation? It must start with believing that such transformation is possible. This transformation happens from the inside out, as with the butterfly from the caterpillar. 